0: Happy Mother's Day, everyone! We all have mothers, so do the smartest guys in the room. Jerry Dempsey, your host, along with Matt Smith slash Otis. What's going on, Matt?
1: Happy Mother's Day, Jerry. It is a glorious day, isn't it? You know, without you, your wife would not be a mother. So I could wish you a happy Mother's Day. Yeah, because you helped right. make it possible.
0: I mean, I have. Uh, you know, people say like. I had skin in the game and then people will one up it by saying, Oh yeah. And a few vital organs. But you know, skin is your largest organ. (laughs) Who says, who says that (laughs) These weird people. It's not on the internet.
1: (laughs) Well, my, I don't, you know, especially since my kids have grown mother's day is weird because my wife's not my mother and my kids are gone. (laughs) So, uh, she works on Sundays, so I, I took her out for dinner last night. So it's really Otis Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's actually, she's working, and I'm, my kids are on their own, so it's, it's whatever I want to do today, Day. Well, but isn't every day for you like dog day?
0: you have to take care of your crazy dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do that on Sunday morning <laughs> before. Uh, I don't get up as early as you. You get up at an ungodly hour on Sundays. I'm usually getting up, I'm turning the coffee maker on, and I'm taking the dog for a long walk before me and you record. So when we come back, she sleeps next to me and That's
0: behaves.
1: Good. That is awesome. But I'm trying to like I'm I'm only up like a half hour before we start this every 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 week so.
0: Well, you seem always fresh to me, so I'm not complaining.
1: Yeah, I'm always fresh. So um, what's going on? You you were up early today.
0: So I go to the gym, and I like going at five because there's only a few, like a handful of hardcore people there. It's not loaded with everybody, right? Our gym, pretty popular, gets a lot of people, etc. Five o'clock, there's like 10 people in the whole gym. So you could, in your mind, you just act like, I own this place because no one else is here. Blah, blah, blah. I see this guy who's always there, too. And he's kind of a big guy. um, But I see him today in the locker room. He's got his shirt off. And the dude is jacked. And I mean, like, lean as I've ever seen him. Like, he he, before, you know, he had muscle on him. But he, you know, looked like a regular guy. And you would never call him fat um, for a lot of reasons. But he didn't really look fat. And then I see him today, and I mean he's just like ripped, like he's gonna go on some kind of show. And I don't talk to him like, hey, we're good pals, but we usually say hi, or we've talked a couple times. But I'm
1: like, dude,
0: like you look great, man. What uh you know, how'd you do it? Or something I just said something like that. Did you say
1: what's your (laughs) regimen?
0: I just said keep going, take the pants off. No, <laughs> I I just said how how did you I go you look great and uh he goes yeah he goes he goes about 6 months ago I was on vacation and it's the same story and he looked like I said you would never call a guy fat he looked all right right um how old is this guy He's like in our he's probably 40 45 maybe right And he just said I came back from vacation my wife has a bunch of pics and he's like god I've let myself go. Look at how fat I am. And he's like, I had this whole like panic thing and I'm listening to him and I'm like, yeah, you didn't look that bad before, but I'll, I'll keep going along with you. And what he just said, you know, he's like, I spent the last bunch of months basically starving himself, uh, intermittent fasting. He started seeing a nutritionist and yada, yada, yada. But he's like, at the end of the day, dude, you know what it is. He goes, he goes, you you know, because he even said, he goes, you're down from some, you know, a a, a heavier weight. I'm like, true, but I'd like to go, you know, I don't need to look like you. I could, I could go another 20 or 30 pounds and no one, you know, no one would miss it. And, uh, but, but he said, but, but listen, you, you dedicated yourself at one point, you dropped 20, you dropped 30, whatever. He goes, and then once you got to a comfort zone, you just kind of started blowing it off, did you? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. And you and I, you know, we joke about it, but it's just every day doing the same shit and saying today I'm not going to eat, I'll only eat one cheese Danish or maybe a half a cheese Danish. By the way, that's what we served my wife um, was cheese Danish this morning for breakfast in bed. I thought it oh, That's
1: sweet. That's sweet. Well, you know, there's a fine line. First of all, if you're trying to lose weight or get in shape, the last thing you should ever do is starve yourself. You need food to build muscle. Number two, you know, <clears throat> everything comes down to your diet. You could do, a, you could spend six hours in the gym, but you can't cheat the diet. You can't, you, can, the, you know, your body knows. If you're yeah. in the gym constantly, but you're feeding it shit, you know, it, The shit's going to ultimately the shit is always more powerful than the weights just is. And food is always there. And but, you know, you got to enjoy life, too. You can't you know, I mean, people can do what they want with their lives, but, you know. You got to you got to enjoy life. So it's all, uh, you know, it's all moderation. It's all, you know, well, never starve yourself, though, no matter if you're trying to gain weight or lose weight.
0: No, I I'd have a different I don't starve myself. I can't and I won't. But um I went to the doctor recently and what I found, you know, everything was good. My weight was okay. I could lose weight more, you know, if I felt like it. But uh my LDL cholesterol was up. And I I told the doctor flat out, I'm like, There's no way in hell. Like I have not LDL been
1: is the bad cholesterol. Correct. Low density. You want want a low number of that. It's It's low density and it's sticky.
0: And that's what causes the plaque builds up wherever it feels like in your arteries.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've got a battle with, I have a genetic battle with that. Well,
0: but here's, here's my takeaway for everyone listening and yourself. I immediately, I told Dr. Up and down, no way should it be higher than last time. Cause I was doing keto before and eating bacon and shit all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So what I found, I started Googling it and going on WebMD and all these fun places. Um, unfiltered coffee. If you drink unfiltered coffee, like a French press or anything without the paper filter. Yeah. That actually contributes to your LDL. And I I have a French press and that's how I drink my coffee.
1: You know, I did know that, um, I didn't, but I forgot that. So that's a good reminder. Um, I don't think I drink unfiltered coffee.
0: Well, if you I gotta have... go. To... Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't you
1: know, know, sir. <laughs> so speaking of gyms, I I always used to always belong to like a specialized gym with like you know trainers, and it's let's just say it's a non-commercial gym. You know right. Membership is kind of expensive per month. And there's, tra- you know, trainers and workouts of the day, the wads, you know, all that stuff. But when I moved back to Buffalo, uh, number one, because I didn't really know any trainers. Number two, because I was retiring, I wanted, I didn't want to spend a lot of money anymore. I joined, uh, just your, know, you know, I joined crunch fitness. It's just basically a uh commercial gym and it's your typical commercial gym you know it's not bad the, the benefits of commercial gyms is you know they're big they're you don't have to you know you can go anytime you want um there's a lot of strength training equipment um you know i, I pay like 21 dollars a month instead of 200 dollars a month you know uh but the but downside of a commercial gym is, you know, it's it's certain hours it's packed, it's filled with a lot of bros at certain points of the day. Uh, there's not enough room to really do any conditioning, you know, uh, and and I and I don't mean cardio, I mean like you know genuine conditioning exercises. So I mean it's it's your typical commercial gym. But what I love about commercial gyms too is that attracts a lot of like really old people who are like 70 and 80 years old. And they do these, they make, they, they make up their own exercises on the, on the machines. And I just sit there and I watch these people and I'm, you know, I have, they're on these pulley machines (laughs) and it's like, you know, those reels videos you see on like the internet where these things are real life. These guys, these old guys, I just, I want to go up and ask them. They, they, they invent their own exercises and I'm dying to know what they think they're doing and it's hysterical. (laughs) And I've, I do everything I can not to laugh. Young kids are probably like filming these guys and putting them on the internet. But like, you know, on the one hand, I think good for them. You know, they're, they're 80 years old. They're motivated to come to the gym. Who knows what they're fucking doing. Uh, but, you know, they're here. So that's that's part of the battle. That's a good thing. But uh, number two, I'm just like, on the other hand, I'm just like, what what are you doing? And you're you're hogging the machine like, I, you know, I. It, it, you know what I'm talking about?
0: You ever see these? Oh, guys? yeah. No, I was just <laughs> letting you kind of course to the end there. I see these people every day. And um, <laughs> interestingly enough. Like I'm friends with some of the trainers at my gym, right? And I'm getting trained by one of them right now, and uh, two of them were telling me some stories about people that have like, you know, they had to take him to the hospital because they were hanging off like the pull down bar and jumping with it and doing. You know. <laughs> I don't know what this old man was doing, but he ended up, you know, snapping and falling, and they had to put him on a gurney and get him out of there. <laughs> And he's back at the gym. he's like, and he likes, you know there's there's actually this one little old uh Asian guy, and you know he looks a little bit like Mr. Miyagi, and he has these pink floyd dark side of the moon swim trunks that he wears to work out in every day and what was funny was I was trying to get out of there yesterday, so I'm like, and I hate, you know, like." The minute you know this game, you get to your locker, no one's around, you spread all your shit out, you're happy, you're just getting your stuff, you're putting your socks on and whatever. And I have to sit down to put my socks on because I'll fall over. All of a sudden he comes like over butt naked from the shower, and he's like,
1: (laughs) it's an old shriveled ass is right in my face. The old guys (laughs) always have no qualms about walking around stark naked. But he's like,
0: right, and of course his locker's right next to mine, and there's no one else near us. And I'm like, I had like three minutes to get the fuck out of
1: there. And now this little guy, and he's like, oh, hi. You know, and I'm like, hello. <laughs> I try to avoid the locker. I come like all ready to go. And if I do have to use the locker, I'll like wear my shorts underneath my pants and stuff. So I can get just get dressed in the in, yeah. in the gym itself. <laughs> Are you a never nude? Do you like walk around with your towel? <laughs> I, well, yeah, first of all, I'm a, I'm a never nude. Second of all, I just, I need those old people. They just walk around naked, like, and they stay naked for like 15 minutes. The best
0: is, you know, they have all these uh, blow dryers set out in our gym for people. I was watching some old man blow dry his balls one day. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I just got to get out of here. (laughs)
1: There's this, there's this old man that comes to the gym I work out in and he, and it's like, you know, he's retired, you know, he's in his eighties. And he comes in every day and he wears his work boots and he's got these Wranglers, which he wears up around his chest. He's got these cheesy suspenders. And then he's got like, he wears his garden gloves. And and then he has like all these contraptions on his belt. Like one is he keeps like four pens in it. Then he keeps like a knife in it and he keeps a, uh, a measuring tape. And, you know, the guy's retired. So this is what he's just walking around town yes, and he, prepared, wears it, he, it, he wears it to the gym and then he gets on like one of these pulley machines and he pulls the pulley like as fast as he can, which is at his age is very, yep. very slow. Yep. And he's pulling it like two inches back and forth.
0: Yep, And he had <laughs> like a hundred pounds. On. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, he, that's the, that's how the guy hurt himself. He put like 130 pounds on it and it snapped him back up.
1: He'd get a better workout if he stayed home and tried to jerk off. You know, I mean, his
0: complaint was that he couldn't, you know, how you can adjust the thing to your knees so you can kind of snug in. Yeah. He couldn't pull the pin out to just that thing, that uh cushion. So he had a lot of room between his (laughs) knees and the cushion. So when he put 130 pounds on, he pulled it down and then it snapped him back up and flipped him out of the
1: thing. (laughs) There was a guy a couple of weeks ago. He was like in his 70s and he went to lay down on the the leg machine where you lay on your stomach and you lift the, uh, you know, and it's for your hamstrings. And he 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 laid too far up and he just he fell down. He like did a, sea fell and he did like a somersault on the floor and you know, everyone had to like run over and help him get up. And I'm just like, oh man, commercial right, gyms, I, commercial gyms just, I mean, they are what they are. They suck though. Last
0: one on the gym. We actually have these, um, vibrating things. They're like this big, I don't, you stand on it and then you press the buttons and the thing vibrates like crazy. And, I mean, it what? shakes your whole body. I- I'll look it up and send it to you. I don't know. The, the trainer goes, go stand on the thing. I'm like, no, that's weird. And uh, it's a platform, okay? And then you stand on it, and it's got a little interface, and you press in, like, two minutes at, like, level five. And I go, well, what's the max? Nine. So, of course, I go to ten. And uh, the thing starts shaking me. And, I mean, I thought I was going to have an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> And it was really actually once I got kind of used to it, like you could lock out your legs or just turn your body right and you could feel it all the way up your spine and your head starts like vibrating.
1: Do you, you lay on like, it?
0: No. You, well, you can. You could probably grind on it if you wanted, <laughs> But I stand on it and like you can do squats and, you know, it like plays with your balance a little because it's vibrating like uh, and you're like, uh. it's great. Like. <laughs> If you go on that for five minutes right when you walk in and you're not awake when you get there, you will be fully awake and you'll be ready to fucking work out.
1: (laughs) Is it always being hogged by the women?
0: It's (laughs) Um, no, but there should be. There's like two of them. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, So what do you got for us today? Oh, we're talking about war. And we're not war. talking about just war, like, what's it good for? Because we know it's good for nothing. But, like, you know, I was driving in the car the other day. This is what gave me the idea, all right? And I heard a wonderful Guns N' Roses song called Civil War, right? And um, it's
1: got hate, the cool I, hand Luke. I, I always huh?
0: hated that song. It's Well, the song's not that great, but the message is powerful. Right. Is what I would say because I agree with you, but the point is I'll listen to it because it's GNR and I'm not too easy to turn the station. I guess, but uh, the end, you know, uh, Axel goes, you know, what's so civil about war anyway? And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, there's nothing civil about war. (laughs) And then I and then someone I heard someone else say something. Well, in Sun Tzu's book, the art of war, I'm like, there's nothing art there's no art and war in fact art you know and i my brain just started taking it running it with it you know um like interestingly
1: I, enough i'm i'm currently reading art the art of war wow and we didn't even we didn't even
0: uh sync up on that it's interesting
1: well you know there's it, these they, you always see these reading lists about like books that every man should read before they die and and uh you know, I, I, that that book is on every list, no matter what the list is, no matter how yeah. different every list is. That's, that one book is, like, the constant on every list. Mm. And if you just buy the book instead of... You don't don't buy, like, the... Because right now, if you go into the store, you can find four different versions of the book, and it's the book that uh, Sun Tsao actually wrote but then it always includes like, you know, a, a long uh, interpretation by some scholar. And like, I'm yep. like you know what, Fuck I'm, not, I'm not reading this guy's interpretation. Yeah. I'm just buying the book. So the book itself is really only like 80 pages. And have you finished it or? I'm almost done with it. And what uh, are you glad you read it and why? Well, I am glad I read it because it it does. Well, you know, he again, and I know you and I talked yesterday, and you said you were being punny about, you know, saying there's nothing artful well, just about a play war. on words, you know, right? Know that. Right, but I, you know, it's a strategy for how you attack war. And in the modern day, you know, a lot of businessmen and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, different populations can use that same book as a strategy for how they attack either their profession. Or their life, so, yeah, I mean, I it look at anything that makes you think is good, right? I have not read it. <clears throat> um, but to your point, I've been,
0: you know, you, you know when you're in some kind of gratuitous interview and you're picking like the elder person's brain about stuff, and yeah, oh, what's some career advice? Read it it's just funny because that's when someone said to me about fifteen years ago, you should read the art of war. I'm like, okay, I'll get right on that. A lot of it is I, I you know
1: it's it's funny like a, a lot of it keeps coming back to like you know all war is deception and you know using the element of surprise and you know uh the th- the things that you don't do in war but you know like being reckless and uh being hasty and you know being prideful it's i mean a lot of it is I'll shit you've before, yeah. but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's philosophy and it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Well, it was
0: written in the fifth century BC. I do know that. And it makes me think a book that's been around now, what, I don't know how many centuries is that? Like seven, I guess, yeah. you know, that's still relevant. Well, that's, you know, there's something to that same time. People, human beings, like to fucking kill each other. <laughs> so I mean, again, I have not read the book and I can't really comment on it. But I know a lot of business guys say, you know, we're all warriors and da 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 da. We need to kill the competition and you know, and that's capitalism. It's bad and and there's a lot of truth in a lot of those things that everybody seems to say. But <clears throat> I wanted to take more of a deeper approach to it when I when I started thinking about it and. You know, I was thinking about like chaos and order, right? Um, which it just you seems, speak of often. Yeah. Well, because you clean, you clean a room; it's nice and orderly. Then a week later, your kid's room, your kids, your house—you know—it's it's just a pigsty. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, on this Mother's Day I'm going to take a quick sidebar here Because I know, you know, in the history Or in the past, you've mentioned How your wife enjoys cleaning your house A lot, right?
1: Yeah, well actually she She likes doing yard work Especially, but go ahead
0: Well You know, we celebrate my mother And I have 11 siblings And all I can Tell you is My mother kept that house so spotless. Now, once we were old enough, you started getting jobs, but she had like an order to like ordering us around. And if I'll give her any kind of credit, which I do often, but she could manage all of us to do all these jobs. And we're a bunch of, you know, rambunctious kids. Okay every Saturday morning we would clean the crap out of that house and it would be spotless for like an hour (laughs) and then it would descend back into chaos.
1: Yeah. it's funny. Mm -hmm. I never thought of it that way, but order and chaos because like my house, I only had three siblings. We were all five years apart. So, you know, there were a lot of times where like, you know, I got to a certain age. My sister was already gone in college, you know, and uh, my house was, not busy like your house was, but my mom kept our house, and my mom worked all day, but she kept our house spotless. And like we, it was almost it was almost spotless. To she, it, it, it she, I used to think she was a little bit mentally ill the way she kept the house because it was so spotless. Like we had like towels in the bathroom that we weren't allowed to touch, you know, and mm. you know furniture. A, we had a whole room that like nobody could go in. It was like a family room. And it was like, what was the point, you know, but <clears> she <throat> would keep the house spotless and she'd work all day. No one was home during the day. Cause we were either in school or our parents were working and then she would come home from work and she would tear the house apart, clean it and put it back together. And I think, and I never realized that until just now that that speaks to the order and chaos you always talk about.
0: Yeah. And that's, but it's played out, you know, th- there's a word, I'm going to use a big word and I apologize for it. It's called entropy and I had to look it up, but it's basically to put it in a terms that I can understand. It's like a car battery sitting in your car. That's unplugged from the car. Your car won't run without it, but you, for whatever reason, and maybe it's Kafka esque, I don't know. You can't get to that battery, but the battery says it's plugged in, but the car is not getting the battery and the battery is fully loaded. You know what I mean? So that's a problem in thermodynamics. And, but I also see it metaphorically in our, in our world today, you know, we as a society want to get somewhere and we want to do it together. We want everyone to, to have equity or at least a good quality of living, you know, I don't think everyone has to live the exact same life. That sounds insane. But look like we look around the world today and we know what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Well actually we don't, but we know it's not good. But at the same time, the world is seen much worse. <laughs> I don't know if that gives anybody any comfort. It certainly doesn't make me feel any better. But I don't know. What what do you mean by that? Like what Just that there's always Warring nations, like, you know, I I watch the news and, oh, China's bad. Russia's bad. They're in their country saying USA is bad. And we're all like throwing each other under the bus. But at the same time, you know, we're we need each other for all this commerce that we do. (laughs) So it just seems to be a struggle of how do we work when you when you work well and you've worked plenty of jobs when you have good coworkers. You you you're clicking, you're running, you know, you're getting stuff done. Then all of a sudden, your coworker leaves, and you get a new coworker, and the FNG isn't so good, and then you you hate them. I'm just looking at, I'm comparing the two, you know, like from a micro and a macro level. And then I just wonder, you know, what's artful about just having all this, you know going out and murdering the other tribe and then the other tribe coming back a month later and murdering a bunch of our people
1: like there's nothing artful
0: about that
1: <laughs> no but it's it's order and chaos you know like i think that's what it comes back to um because i always wondered like it's weird and again i never thought of anything in the context of order and chaos but now that you bring it up And I'm putting together, you know, the pieces of the puzzle, either it's with my mother or, but I used to have this common reoccurring thought that like, it always seemed the world was at war and then it would be good for 10, 15, 20 years. Then it would be at war again. Then it would be good for 10 more years. Then there'd be another war and i always wondered why and maybe it speaks to this order and chaos theory or, you you know you're, you you bring up you know there's a lot more to it i think that you know i think that leaders are warlike people and it has a lot to do with ego and and uh you know, wanting power and and things like that. You know, yep. like George Bush, the first George Bush. <clears throat> he seems so genteel, but like that guy, that guy was a a badass. I mean, he was a he was a very warlike person. You know, he he fought in war. He was you know the the s- director for the Central Intelligence Agency. You know, uh. Uh, you know, and he, I don't think there was any, mis- I don't think there, it was, I don't think, I think it was, if you followed his trajectory, he was a warlike person his whole life. I was, there's no surprise he got us into the first Gulf War. You know, I never understood that as any, any significant threat to the national interest, you know? No, we can look
0: back at that now and say, say what you're saying. And I would totally agree with you. You know, but you think about it. I used to say this all the time. I hear from other people follow the money, you know, see how people are paid, and that's how they behave.
1: What's interesting, though, is mm-hmm. our generation, and you and I were born in 1967. And, uh, you know, they say every generation goes 25 years. So we're really the only generation that didn't have, didn't like, Every generation before us was influenced by war, you know, and even the generations after us now are, you know, have been influenced by war. Our generation wasn't, you know, our generation fit really cleanly in between uh, the Vietnam Vietnam. War and all the, the constant, you know, wars in the Gulf, you know. So, yeah, I mean, for for the age
0: of, you know, 19 or whatever, that was the average age of uh, Vietnam soldier from America. We you know, we there was never a call to action, you know, because I remember after the World Trade Center got bombed, you know, and there was the rally around the flag mo- movement. You know, there were I've watched these guys tell the story of you know I was in high school I'm like I'm joining the military I want to go fight I want to go fight We never had that to your no. point I guess there was, no. the, there was the Idea of joining the military especially Like there was a draw to it for Me because I didn't have Money for college And you know I thought well Military you know turn me into A man lean mean fighting machine <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Well but- there was a hangover Though that hung over the military After Vietnam what does that mean? Well, it you know the military service, the 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 public relations end of the military, the perception of the military. It changed drastically after the Vietnam War, or as a result of the the Vietnam War. There was a low point for the U.S. military, like during the late '70s, early '80s. Oh, yeah. You know. Now, it's I think it's more common for people to leave high school and go into the military again. Because our military is, you know, it's constantly being upheld. And, you know, think of veteran and things like that, you know. And a lot of that has to do with the recent wars we've been in and the sacrifices, sure. like, you know, in our face. It wasn't like that when you and I were growing up. You didn't hear a lot about, like, support the troops and, you know... Take a veteran when we when we were growing up. Because there was this hangover from the from the Vietnam War.
0: Right. It was kind of a period of let we let's not talk about it. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah.
1: And it was almost the the military almost had a black eye while we were growing up. Definitely were.
0: Definitely were.
1: So in a in a weird way, Vietnam did our generation a favor because it it kept, you know, leaders, it kept the country. From you know, devolving into some other war because Vietnam just the country went through so much turmoil during it. Yeah, everyone just had a hangover from it, and it yeah, kind of it kind of spared <laughs> our generation, thankfully.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting today in today's age. You know, my son was asking me questions about Ukraine and all this stuff, and I don't like to. I don't like to make an opinion unless I have enough information to feel confident in the opinion I make. I mean, I'll talk shit all, all day, but when it's serious, I really will avoid making a point or taking a side. Um, and I just told him I'm, I'm a peacenick. He's like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, oh, it's slang from the old days.
1: <laughs> what, what, what was your son's questions? Just,
0: uh, you know, like, do you support U.S. backing Ukraine? Is Russia really bad? Like, you know, he was asking pretty good questions. And do you think we're doing the right thing by staying out but supporting them financially? You know, and I, I made an offhand comment saying, basically, what we're doing is taking the money. We got You have a rich country that's taking the money from the poor people. And giving that money to the rich people of a poor country. That's what we're doing. We're transferring wealth. And, you know, I actually know some people that are from Ukraine. And the comment that stuck with me was, it's like uh, a divorce that you still keep having to deal with each other. I'm like, yeah. yeah, but this thing's going to lead to... You know, that's Ukraine. That's her speaking about how they feel about Russians. But, well, you know... The,
1: go ahead. The interesting thing is in the why, why this war is so serious is because this is a major war in Europe that is threatening the the rest of the world. And what I mean by that is In the early 90s, around 91, 92, I I was a military reporter. And I covered uh, the 10th Mountain Division, which is a huge uh, light infantry division. And the light infantry, the whole concept there is... Unlike armored divisions with tanks and things like that, the light infantry is a you their mission is they are to be ready to be deployed and on the ground in, within eighteen hours of being called up by the president. We' usually with a, a a armored division, it takes you know two weeks so the u s military went through this very dramatic downsizing in the early nineties and military bases all over America Mm -hmm. were being shut down and the size of the military was being reduced and people were being forced out because the Pentagon and all the powers that be assessed that there was no more threat to America that existed in places like Europe. So there was very little need for armored divisions and things like that. So a lot of the bases that closed were bases that specialized in like, you know, tank warfare and things like that. And the bases that didn't close were, were bases like the one in Watertown, the there there is light infantry. And what that did was the military leaders in America assessed that the threats were going to be regional instead of global, meaning the threats were going to be in the middle East. And, you know, so the next two wars that America was in were of course in the Middle East and they were regional. But now this is the really the first with the exception of the war in Yugoslavia, but again even that was in the early 90s. This is really the first war that we're, we've seen in Europe and that threatens the rest of the world. This has been a brutally deadly war. I mean, if you look at the numbers in just a short span of time, this war has, has <clears throat> been going on, even on the Russian side, the number of Russian troops that have been killed has been, is pretty astronomical. Yep. So this is like, this is some serious shit, not just in Russia and the Ukraine, but this poses like a really, really serious threat to, to the rest of the world.
0: Because well, this I'm isn't, probably, yeah, this,
1: this this is not a regional conflict. It has the ability to break out into a global. You know, I'm with you. Or so.
0: Well, and that's kind of what I was speaking to earlier. You know, I'm watching the stock market up and down, up and down every day, and you know, like the economic sanctions that are being placed on places like Russia. Um, you know, nobody wins. This isn't we we're, you know, at one point we were probably helping them be, build their economy and now we're we're trying to squeeze the shit out of them. And uh, to me, I think I try to as much as I think globalism is scary, all of a sudden there's a case for it. And yeah,
1: I mean, it will, you know, what do you do on the other hand? Do you do nothing and let the oligarchs who support Putin just get richer off this thing? I mean, it's a. You know. No, I don't, I don't know. know what you do. You know, I wish I understood the stock market because I watch Squawk on the Street every fucking morning, and I have mm-hmm. ears, and I just might—I might as well be watching like some show in Mandarin. I don't understand. Can I, um, give you a
0: suggestion? On. Yeah. First off, I love Joe Kernan, but you know,
1: <sighs> I would—I would watch Bloomberg. I watched that too. I don't—I don't know what's going on in any of these shows.
0: Well, the other one I was tell you to watch would be, and you're going to probably punch me through the phone or whatever. But Fox Business News. Yeah, I'm not watching
1: Stuart Varney,
0: <laughs>
1: unless it's like, unless it's to find some artful warlike strategy to go and get the guy.
0: It see, it's not really those people,
1: right? Um, as
0: cute as Maria Bartiroma is. Oh shit! It's who not. they bring. I. They used to call her the money honey,
1: I know you know it's funny you brought that up. I was just i actually I wasn't watching her, but like I saw like the uh I have a streaming service, so like you go down and to the bottom of your t v and you stream through like the little icons for each television show, and hers features her face, and I was thinking I was remembering how like she was used used to be called the Money Bunny, no money and honey, or the money <laughs> honey or she's just ugh. Oh.
0: I find her repulsive and yeah well the Ramones
1: were in love with her (laughs) (laughs) well you know the Ramones were all conservatives especially Johnny he was like a big time right winger yeah
0: well and that's fine but it's the people they bring on the show they're some of them really know what the fuck they're talking about some of them don't but even if you don't like the personality they're going to give you information. Like I used to watch Jim Cramer and I read his book like 20 years ago. All right. So there people that hate that guy.
1: Right. Well, he's the guy that I watch in the morning. He know
0: I mean, he again, he's definitely someone that will tell you a lot of stuff about stock market. Someone like Charlie Gasparino, though, on the other hand, the guy's a tool bag.
1: I just don't understand any what anyone's saying, whether it's Maria Bartolom, whatever face. aroma. Part of Roma or Jim Kramer or you know, like some guest uh you know or some <laughs> some dude I... on Bloomberg. Wait, wait, wait. So Maria's uh partner
0: Dage McDowell reminds me of a female Don Imus, I swear.
1: <laughs> Don Imus is one of the most disgusting humans on the planet. Is he dead?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's been dead for a little while.
1: <laughs> huh.
0: My dad loved Imus.
1: <laughs> Did he? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he, I'mus was big for a while in
0: the yeah, '70s, and we, we listen We him and I would listen to Paul Harvey, and then the one time he's like, you ever, you ever listen to I'mus?" And I was like, "I don't know who he is." So we would listen to him, but my dad loved that guy. I want to change <laughs> gears just a little bit with you, um, because part of the the theme of our story was, you know, what is, you know, war is not art- artful, um, and follow the money. That was the other thing and then thirdly you know people destroy beautiful beautiful works of art they steal them like the spoils of war you know today's electronic finance system you know it's fake anyway so we can play around with that all day we can raise the rates which was great that was a good idea um that's sarcasm but my real point is like and i'll bring up the story that that always I watched the show one time, and it freaked me the fuck out because I'd never heard of it. Uh, the Amber Room, yeah, that's that story. That's the one that always hits me the hardest. Like, you know, and for the folks listening, if you don't know it, um, basically this beautiful amber and gold with mirror room was created for royalty, I think, in the Prussians, and and in the seventeen hundreds. they built this beautiful room. Uh, It was a gigantic piece of art. Then it was given to Peter the Great in Russia as a gift because they were buds back then. And then the Nazis stole it (laughs) during World War II. Basically, when the Americans and or Russians were closing in on, they hid it somewhere and it has never been found. So it's really awful because it's probably it used to be it had been called or termed the eighth wonder of the world. For its beauty. And I've seen pictures, and, and it, they've done a recreation. I think in the 80s, they started doing one or mm-hmm. whatnot. And you can add any color if you know the story better than me, uh, Matthew. But it's just, you know, I watched this show on it, and the pictures of the room, I'm like, God, that's what we do. We destroy beautiful art. And then fast forward to a picture of the Nazi tank shooting the Sphinx in the face <laughs> for no other reason. Than to fuck the
1: sphinx up, right? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's 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 beyond. It goes just beyond that. It's a deeper issue because it's not exactly a war crime. But you're. It's art is actually supposed to be the destruction of art and artifacts is supposed to be off limits in war. And if you um, you remember the there was a lot of controversy. Controversy is a shitty word, but, uh, you know, it was big news when the Taliban was blowing up the, uh, the Buddhist statues and artifacts in Afghanistan. Um, and, and what, why that's such a serious thing is when forces do that, what they're really doing is they're wiping away culture. Yep, And, you know
0: That is what war does I mean, yeah. the, the, it's so There's no winners Even when you win, you haven't won And and what's sad about our world Is that uh, None of our idiot leaders Have figured this out And they pretend to, but who knows what the fuck's going on Because You'd like to think, you know, that they would have done that by now
1: Yeah, I Uh <clears throat> I don't know if you want, I don't know if you
0: want to cover this, but we were going back and forth. I just thought it was an interesting conversation we had about, um, protest songs. And you had mentioned the tragically hip song,
1: scary, Uh, scared. It's not, it's not necessarily a song about war, but they use war and the destruction of art as a metaphor, uh, throughout right. more aptly yeah.
0: put sure well wh- all i wanted to add about that one was i never you know i listened to the hip i know a lot of their their popular songs but i was not familiar with that song i listened to it about 10 15 times yesterday it's fantastic and it scared me because <laughs> i wanted to be i guess
1: <laughs> the song's really more about how art the uh, the position that artists are in to you know uh the power they hold to scare people or to elicit emotion but there's that whole metaphor where you know the art is being destroyed in world war ii uh yeah it's yeah, a good song fair. but um hey you know if, there, if there's one thing that war has produced positively it's been good music for sure
0: i um I actually wrote a few protest songs that I really like, but uh, what are they? Of course, well, I don't know if I should go from worst to first, but I do like "After the Gold Rush." Oh, uh, yeah. even though Neil's
1: getting crazy in his old days, I still. Oh, like that's a great song, music. though. Great song.
0: Um, "God on Our Side." That's uh Bob Dylan.
1: peace war pigs I, oh know. great song <laughs> great song zombie and and there's a a remake by the band cake of war pigs which is where they use a lot of brass it's fucking phenomenal i highly suggest it okay um mm. let's see
0: one more here and zombie, i did not look this one song. up zombie but you know the cranberries great real song. good real good and then for what it's worth by the Buffalo Springfield. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's funny because I've never known the name of that song. I just know. There's something happening here. You know? Yeah. So that one, Great song. It, you know, and then the last one, I want to make a quick and tell a personal funny story. James Connolly, like you and I are Irish and the Irish troubles. And right. I always get uh, turned on by those, those songs. And I either want to get drunk or fight somebody. But um, there's a band called Black Forty Seven. I'm a yep. big fan of them, and I've seen them in New York City a whole bunch. They play bars and stuff. Right, I've seen them. Cool. Well, so my sister, the one that was on our podcast, so a while back when I lived in Jersey, uh, she came to town to visit. Her and I went to the city. She's a huge fan. She's actually the person that turned me on to them. And so I get us tickets to go see him at. Uh, Connolly's, or one of the bars they played at mm-hmm. So we get there And it's you know not too crowded It's before the show We get a beer we're sit, standing at the bar And um Up comes Larry boy right? right so he's about six feet from us He gets a beer and I'm like Trees 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 There's the dude there's the singer I don't even know his name She's like right. oh my god it's Larry Kirwan." I can't I go go talk to him She's like I can't I can't I'm like Oh, I'm gonna do it. So I walk over, I'm like, hey Lair. And he's like, Oh, hey, Lad, what's up? And we, you know, I'm like, Hey, can I buy you a beer? And he's like, Oh, I'm drinking for free tonight. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, um, you know, big fan of music, blah blah blah. I don't want to bother you about it. Oh, you see that beautiful lady over there? And he's like, Oh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, da, da, da. I'm like, and she's like hiding, like, don't do this to me, cringing <laughs> And he's like, Well, let's go talk to her mate, you know. So I bring him over. And he talks to her for like ten minutes, and she was just so starstruck. And he was funny, he's cracking jokes, and I'm like the third wheel, just like being his little side piece. But yeah. it was just so funny. And then he got up on stage and he played James Connolly, and I'll tell you, man, I was like, like, Ugh, I hate the,
1: I hate the English. <laughs> How did we not talk about that when your sister was on? Ah, who knows? You know. It- Speaking of Black 47 and War, they have an entire album called uh, "Iraq," and it breaks down, uh, you know, the Iraq War, and it's a great album. I highly, highly, highly recommend you it. Great band. Well, buddy, uh, we're coming up. Yeah, go just ahead. Just before ahead. we end, let me say: speaking of music, the worst war song, Guns and Roses, "Civil War." <laughs> well,
0: I was going to so say, contrived. "The Eve of Destruction."
1: <laughs> it's so contrived. Every line in that story, in that song, is contrived.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not a critic. Too, I just know what I like, and I know what I think is garbage. But I'll throw Eve of Destruction. I actually wrote that down as my oh, that's a great song. <laughs> you, if you say so. <laughs> All right, big dog. Enjoy your Mother's Day, and dog, uh, give that wife a hug for me, will ya? <laughs>
1: All right, you do the same. Stay free. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye.